0: What's going on, boys and girls? We got a terrific episode of Two White Lights for you today. I had on the show via FaceTime Canadian lifter Matthew Vena. Terrific interview with him. Talk about how he got his start in powerlifting, how he uh, competed at one of the last important meets of 2020 before everything got shut down, uh, Canadian Nationals. His goals going forward. We had a really interesting conversation on one thing we'll change about the sport. Uh, also talked about his self-coaching, if he is thinking about getting coaching for the future. Uh, a lot of his future goals too. A really terrific interview with him. Really enjoyed sitting down and talking with him. But before we get into our interview, I want to talk to you guys about Leflar Bros. Ladies and gentlemen, go to leflarbros.com and get yourself a gym banner. I have three of them, and everyone is essentially in a home gym right now. And they make your home gym look like an actual, awesome, legit gym. Actually, better than most gyms. I really like how gym banners look. And while you're out there getting gym banners, get yourself some t-shirts. Of course, you know, I like my baseball tees, my beanies. But they have tons of other things. Go to LeftLiveBros.com and you can save yourself some money if you use promo code 2WL10. Get 10% off your order. Also, go to Rivalist.net. Use promo code Angelo fifteen A-N-G-E-L-L fifteen to get fifteen percent off your creatine, protein, branching amino acid pre-workout. Supplements are probably important in a time like this because it's hard to get it's hard to hit your macros really. And so far, like I don't religiously take supplements. Right now I have been, so save yourself some money. Use promo code Angelo fifteen. Save fifteen percent off. And also, since you're like listening to the first forty seconds of the show or 50 seconds or whatever it is subscribe on itunes like on spotify give us a five star rating leave a review positive negative i don't care as long as you give me a five star rating you can put whatever you want in that thing and here it is two white lights oh baby i like It is Monday, April 6th, and I got with me via FaceTime an international interview, I'm going to count it as an international interview, from Vancouver, Canada, Mr. Matthew Vanna. How are you, man?
1: Good, man. Thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah, no problem. Uh, How's the coronavirus up in Vancouver? You still able to get lifts soon, or what?
1: Yeah, well, I just got my squat rack finally at my quarantine gym at my house. Got uh, that and a power bar, and I've got 10 pairs of 45-pound plates, and that's it. So, doing bit odd weights.
0: Yeah, that's going to happen a lot, because I... I first bought, like, 350 pounds of plates. I already had 300 pounds, but it was just going to be, like, a stack of crazy weights, and there was no bar room for it. So, yeah, I had had to scavenge some equipment, but luckily you have some equipment where you could train, and especially because you're coming off of, like, (laughs) the people who competed, like, within the past two months may very well just hold their ranking down till the end of 2020 because I don't know if there's going to be another meet. So you could just like, yeah, I was the last person to compete in 2020 because I don't think it's going to happen.
1: Yeah. I was really close to the end too. I was in March. So
0: yeah, like the last big meets were Canadian nationals and yeah. uh, the Arnold. So yeah. those are like the last, like those are like the pinnacle right now. And then Hopefully by, I don't know, November, December, we can get some meets. But we're going to talk about your performance at Canadian Nationals and um, a whole other list of topics. But I have came across your Instagram page, your fan request fan your interview, which is always awesome. Fans want to hear from you. Uh, listeners of Two White Lights want to hear from you. And on your page, always known as great lifter, but don't know too much else about you. So I have to ask this first question, like how did you get into fitness and powerlifting?
1: Well, Started back in high school, we had, like, a... You had to take a gym class of some kind, and one of the options was, like, a lifting-oriented gym class. Mm-hmm. So, like, I don't know, I was 14, I think. So I was thinking, oh, yeah, I can get really jacked and get a bunch of girls if I do this. So I chose to do it, and I basically spent school year doing fuck all. Like, I do quarter-rep leg press and a set of curls. That, that's, like, my whole workout. And then drink a protein shake. It'd be, like... Nine months later, I'm like, why aren't I jacked? And I'm like, what happened? <laughs> so I, like, started researching programs online because I figured out that's what I was doing wrong. And I found a powerlifting program. Yeah, I was lucky. That was literally the first program I found. So I'm like, okay, I'll do this. And, like, I was I was super weak, at, like, to start. Like, I was, like, my first time benching, I tried 80 pounds, and I got stapled. Like, I didn't even get off my chest. Mm-hmm. Like completely weak as fuck.
0: Wait, you you tried to bench for the first time, one hundred eighty pounds?
1: No, just eighty.
0: Oh, just eighty. So I was like, yeah. one hundred eighty pounds is pretty. Yeah. Like that's a, weighed, that's a pretty yeah. uh, aggressive jump for your very first time benching. I think yeah. I got stapled by ninety five. Yeah,
1: and I weighed like one fifty, so it was like 0.5 body weight stapling. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, within a few months, it was like. I really took off, like, I think three months after I started, I tested my maxes for the first time, and I hit, like, a 315 squat that was, like, super deep. I used to squat, like, ass to grass when I did that.
0: You have one yeah. of the more fluid squats I've ever seen, because when you are saying, yeah. like, you quarter, like, you quarter that, uh, like, uh, leg extensions and all that kind of stuff and, like, leg presses, yeah. like, dude, like, your one, your squat is quite possibly one of the better ones I've seen in powerlifting. Like, yeah. It's it's not ass to grass grass, like, because it shouldn't be, but it's, like, so perfectly depth that, yeah, it's admirable.
1: Thank you. Yeah. And that was, like, my focus when I started squatting. I think that's why it really became, like, my bread and butter, I guess. But, yeah. But, anyways, I was just a gym lifter for a while. Like, I, I was up to, like, around the four plate squat and deadlift and around, like, two plate bench. And my friend was in... To we knew each other in school, and he started powerlifting, but he was more into like competing and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he was always telling me about stuff like the IPF, and he's talking about IPF worlds. And I, I, just knew like certain Instagram lifters. I'm like, oh, will Eric Lillybridge be there? <laughs> <laughs> and he started laughing his ass off, and I was like mad. I'm like, dude, he's really strong. He could make the worlds.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's
1: what I did. But anyways, he did a competition and asked if I wanted to do it with him, and I did. And ever since then i've been like hooked into the sport
0: yeah it seems like that's where a lot of people get their start is i think if i had to take a poll right now i believe that getting girls interested in you was the number one motivation to pick up a barbell um i i've had like 30 or 40 so lifters come on the show and aside from the female ones i think that might be the number one answer but it always does evolve from that. And it seems to always start in like either high school or a little bit after they graduate high school. But what was the powerlifting program that you found?
1: Uh, it's just starting strength. I found a bodybuilding. Perfect.
0: Perfect. A Perfect one.
1: Bodybuilding.com thread about it. So I did it. And then I did like, I was thinking I wanted to do arm accessories too. Mm-hmm. So I literally did three by five on curls too, which is like. I'm probably the only person to do a set of five in curls ever <laughs> and like like this will get me jacked and uh, 50 pounds of body weight later <laughs> i'm still not where i thought it'd be
0: yeah starting strength is a really good one though i there is something to be said about kind of getting your start without a coach just getting your start yeah. and yeah, just sure. doing something just to understand how to work out there's so yeah. many people that i talk to it's like man should i get a coach like, did you ever just run a powerlifting program just by yeah. yourself? Just do your own technique changes, you yeah. know, fuck up on your own, just yeah. screw up some stuff, have some success on your own. That is something so valuable that people don't understand getting into the sport.
1: Right, yeah. I get a lot of people messaging me because they find out I like, coach myself and they ask advice about mm-hmm. how they coach themselves. I always tell them, like, just pick, like, some well-known program. And then just make small tweaks on your own based on what you think, like Mm -hmm. trial and error, basically, like, yeah, rep ranges, accessories, whatever. And then you learn the basics. The basics are really not that complex for powerlifting coaching.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. I think I always tell, like, especially young lifters is to, again, learn the basics, learn how to compete yourself. And then when you start hitting that wall. Very similar to me. When I start hitting walls, then I started considering coaching. It wasn't yeah. necessarily like, okay, powerlifting, coach. Uh, learn learn how to lift first people. Yeah. But and uh and you're you're a junior now, correct? Yes. Yeah, uh, another
1: year. So uh, how long been, have
0: you been competing for?
1: First competition was at the end of twenty fifteen and I started I say really lifting in twenty fourteen.
0: Okay. Yeah. Alright. So you're coming off the of, I described the show of uh, your performance at Nationals. So right. how would you describe the performance at Nationals? Were you satisfied with it? Um I watched highlights of it, I thought you had some fucking great lifts in there too, so
1: Um Well I'd say it was fifty fifty. Like the training cycle I had leading up to it, it wasn't the greatest. Mm-hmm. I had a meet in December, but I ended up taking Uh, full course load at university this term, which I haven't done in a while. And then I also was like working with my coaching too, so I didn't have as much time. I think that really contributed to not as good a training cycle. But the lifts I hit in competition were about what I expected to hit, so I guess in that way I was satisfied. Like starting on squats, the national records for open is 300 kilos, so I had come in wanting to hit that. It's something I'd hit in the gym a bunch, but hadn't been able to do on the platform. So, yeah, my prep, my heaviest squat was 302.5 kilos, which for me in prep is pretty light. And I ended up hitting the 305 on my third, took the record. It was really big grind, like perfect attempt selection. But yeah, so I was happy to finally get the national record squat. Bench, I've actually had been dealing with shoulder injury for a while. I hit a 405 bench at the end of August, and then since then it's just been like, tendinitis i guess i would describe it as it's been affecting how much volume i can do Mm -hmm. so i had gotten to the point about a month out that like pain was like a one out of ten like it didn't affect me really so i was just trying to like build back up because i could finally handle volume and my second to last session i re-aggravated it really bad like worse than it's ever been i was Mm -hmm. like oh great like a week out i'm like basically back to square one so I had no idea how bench was going to go on the day. I was thinking of possibly doing a token opener, like just the bar, because it was really bad. Oh, but my dude. friend, we like covered my shoulder and like my upper back and the, like the, what is that rub, you know, like a 8535, whatever, something like that. Is it kind of like
0: a icy hut? Yeah, yeah. Like
1: yeah. That. It really helped. And I did a ton of band work. I was doing volume in the back to warm up because that time tends to help like loosen it up. I was mm-hmm. doing like three sets with 275 to warm up. And, uh, first two attempts, it was okay. And then on my third, like, as soon as I unracked it, like, it was, like, sharp pain. And I, like, I knew I wasn't going to get it. And mm-hmm. didn't even get it. I got it, like, an inch off my chest, which was, like, not my sticking point. So, yeah, the bench was not great. And then dead left, I took the junior total record on my second. So, and I had, uh, at that point, I'd out-totaled the open 93 also. So that was, like, all my goals, really. So I just went for the deadlift record on my third just to, like, basically send a third. I missed it, but, yeah, so all in all, decent performance, I guess, but still room for improvement.
0: Yeah, for sure, and I always, because this is something I've been fortunate with out of my powerlifting career, is not really going through any sort of pains or injuries during competition. So how do you work around the... Certain pain is like, there's, there changes you have to make for deadlifts. Say if you have some sort of a pec strain or some tendonitis going on way, you have to work around it with squat. So how, how do you, especially because you're self coach, how do you get, um, around those?
1: Yeah. So my big uh, idea for when you're dealing with injuries, like I do it for myself and people I coach too, is basically I try and find like as specific, a pain free or minimal pain movement as I can. Mm Mm-hmm. And I, like, focus on that. And then I gradually try and push the threshold of what I can handle on the competition lift with minimal pain over time. So that's why I was doing a lot. Like, I was doing a lot of spotto bench because if I didn't have as deep a a shoulder flexion, I didn't have uh, as much pain. Another thing is if I did wide grip, too, it it helped. So I was doing a lot of wide grip and spotto press to warm up, just, like, basically doing what I could to uh, work around it
0: okay yeah yeah it's it's and it's gonna be a, a, a different sort of challenge considering that you're self-coached so that yeah. is performance at canadian nationals in my opinion terrific performance broke some records there um what's what's next uh i know signing up for a meet right now is impossible but uh what's what's next as soon as we are able to look right. at for well, another meets and hitting some goals if I
1: could, I'd like to do a meet around June or July, but I don't know. I don't know if that's gonna be possible given the situation. My plan was to do Worlds in June, but then that got postponed to September. Yeah, and uh, so basically, I like to do a meet every three or four months. I think I think having like a goal like that is good to keep you moving forward.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think, I, yeah, personally, I've always found when I do really long off seasons between meets, I wouldn't say off seasons, but really long blocks between meets, like it's. It's hard to bridge the gap when you think you're going to like try and go for huge PRs mentally, I think. I think it's easier to go like five kilos four times a year than 20 kilos once a year. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So, in, my, in Canada, they have provincial championships. I guess that's like the same as a state championship in the state.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But, uh, we have to, like in my federation, we have to compete or volunteer at it to go to nationals every year. So my thought, it's usually in June, so my thought was that if it still happens, I'd do it. I'd compete at it, because I'm going to have to do something there anyways, mm-hmm. and not be perfect to bridge the gap. But yeah, until then, I'm just trying to get back into lifting now that I finally can do competition lifts again. Uh, deadlifts and bench are definitely feeling all right, but squats taking a bit to come back, I think.
0: Yeah, that's going to be a hard one to kind of rebound from, especially because you have a very high squat to begin with. And I, I've i changed my opinion on doing um, the amount of meets I do within a year span. Because um, I was always like, you know, might as well just do two meets a year. Have one to qualify you for nationals and then do nationals and that's it. It's like, give your time the break, but now it's getting to a point where I discussed with my coach, he's like, you kind of want to hit like a just a bridge between this and nationals like if right, you, if you yeah. want like we can improve your numbers for nationals and we could continuously increase because i always told people I'm like if you're at a high level really yeah. think you should probably compete twice a year but now i'm like maybe three or four would be would be sufficient for uh um, high level lifters
1: right i used to think the same the two like two a year thing mm-hmm. basically i thought like oh if you make more gains if you train longer so i was thinking that but then i was i'm in a group chat with a bunch of high level lifters and we were uh discussing sean noriega's progress how Mm -hmm. he's just like consistently improved year after year and one of the things that they they just like uh kind of said was that they think that doing the couple meets a year like three to four Mm -hmm. helped him i can't i'd have to ask him specifically more if he thinks that but our idea was that like having that constant goal, that constant like thing to work for, is like what's keeping him like consistently improving.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I I believe I, I might be misquoting because I I got this from I got this from someone else who's quoting someone else, so usually right. something gets lost in translation. But I think Candido also recommended that you should you know kind of go constantly on a pro or like consistently on a program where you're working up to new one right maxes just to keep yeah just to keep you know your momentum moving um i i mean i'm sure if we look up a video on youtube candida will have answers for actually
1: yeah he was the one in the group chat that was like he's the exact guy who is saying that's the thing he thinks Mm
0: -hmm. Um, yeah because i yeah i and i always hate to like just misquote people and like get their complete rationale off but i
1: he's definitely for that i think like no off season where you're not generally working for a goal
0: mm-hmm.
1: and actually like head down what's next, like.
0: Yeah. Well then the like the always the thing is like oh you could do a mock meet, which is fine, mock meets are good, yeah. but I think if you just kinda you know, spend a little bit of money to do a meet, the safety's there, the time of the meets are there. Right. Um if you're doing and at least in my opinion, for doing USAPL meets, whether it be a local level or a regional level, it's going to be a really well-run meet. So yeah, you're going to have a solid one-at-max game. Like it's still technically a mock meet, just the yeah. numbers count this time. So um, yeah, I I'm starting to like that idea more and more. Because um, I was I was fully on the bandwagon, like okay, I'm going to do two meets a year, both of them are going to be big arnold nationals that's it now i'm like i should probably fit one in between arnold and nationals right so um i always was curious about this because i have a lot of friends in canada and a lot of powerlifting friends in canada how is the powerlifting scene in canada is it rival the u.s is it growing is it kind of the same with us just the uh it's a sport but sideshow sport
1: Right. Well, I'd say in terms of rivalry in the US, like per capita, I'd say i think I'd guess Canada's even a little higher than the US, but it's just we got like one tenth of the population. Uh-huh. So it doesn't really come through as much. But uh yeah, it's definitely a huge scene here growing fast. Like I think couple, I think like two years ago I saw the Canadian Federation had increased membership by like five hundred percent in five years. <laughs> and I'm guessing that's kept up. But yeah, and if you look at like the top end, like we've got like, uh, like open class lifters who can challenge for world titles, like Jessica Putner, Maria T, mm-hmm. and then Eric Willis won, Maria T won too. And if you think we got like one tenth the population of the U.S., I think even less,
0: mm-hmm.
1: something around that. So like, if you, it's harder when you're a smaller country to notice, but I think like per capita, we were like right there with the U.S. Like huge scene relatively speaking as big as powerlifting gets i guess you'd say
0: yeah I've, I've noticed that i've noticed just a lot of canadian i mean mean it's not like i'm completely talking about something that's completely foreign to the united states it is only right. you know just north of me at least and it's uh but it seems like as far as just the the culture goes Right. there's re- i'm like i i honestly could see canada being a really good nation rivaling the u.s and other and ipf meets because it's pretty similar demographics right. um the culture is big like i always talk about powerlifting culture like yeah. in other countries powerlifting and just weightlifting in general is different it's a right. different way you approach it but yeah. canada it's uh you know, big, big professional wrestling scene. And I always say professional wrestling goes hand in hand with powerlifting, right? Like yeah. A lot of the people who are motivated to do professional wrestling or grew up with professional wrestling also pick up a barbell because that's yeah. what you see on the TV. And then same thing with football. Um, yeah. I've known a lot of hockey players too, who pick up a yeah. barbell and kind of get into powerlifting uh, just as a hobby. So, Right. Yeah. Um, is it as clicky? as the united states or is it all from loving canada stuff
1: i'd say no i i don't know that's just my outside view looking in at the u.s i'd say so i guess the like the clicks are more like uh visible to me but to canada it seems pretty inclusive like it seems a lot more like uh i don't know friendly like i don't think there's much rivalries in canada really (laughs) like when i was at nationals like every 93 like basically everyone I knew, and we are like, friendly with each other, where there's no, like, hate between them. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I would say the same thing with America, but just not some of the 74 lifters.
1: Right, yeah, that's next level.
0: (laughs) Yeah, the the 74 kg lifters, uh, uh, they, they all seem to get along, aside from, like, that's, like, the only rivalry I see in powerlifting, though, uh, because, anyway, I say the same thing with the 83s. We're all... We're all yeah. pretty friendly with each other. Yeah. Um, the rivalry sets in more so with federations. Right. That's, that's, yeah. that's what happens.
1: Yeah. USPA versus USAPL. <laughs> well,
0: I mean, USAPL, I mean, when I was an APF, when I was an APF powerlifter, it was the same thing where I had my ideas towards the USAPL because it was dictated by people in the APF. And then right. I got to USAPL, I'm like, oh they were just kind of talking out of their ass when they said all these yeah. negative things about the USAPL too. So the rivalry right. between federation lifters is a comical one, but I think it, like the lower the federation is as far as popularity goes, the more right. they find the opportunity to talk shit about the USAPL.
1: Yeah. I think in Canada it's a bit different because like our untested federations, there's none like as big as the USPA comparatively. Like I work out at two gyms and they've got like... like a a good amount of untested lifters too and like they talk a lot of shit but it's like (laughs) more friendly you know it's not like it's hard to like uh criticize in canada as much when like the canadian ipf fed is just like so dominant like Mm -hmm. it's just like owns so much of the like
0: yeah yeah and a very state-to-state for us too because in my state illinois USAPL doesn't have as many meets as USPA right. and US um, and uh, APF. They kind of dominate with the local meets, so that's why when you're a USAPL lifter, there is some like some group chat going on just bashing the USAPL, saying there's no atmospheres at the meets. And right. I was on that bandwagon for a while until, of course, they did a USAPL I meet. Mean, like it's the same thing as yep. APF yeah. and USPA. Um, and i actually turned like into the the elitist that they were describing when (laughs) they uh because they constantly says like we're lifting the same weight we're lifting the same weight as you as usapl guys and i used to think that until i found out what a stiff bar was yeah (laughs) and i'm like oh it's not the same weight shit
1: yeah i feel it's not even comparable a deadlift bar even between like because people different people get different amounts out of it like i can get like 40 kilos out of a deadlift bar it's insane how much of a difference it makes for me
0: oh yeah for sure and it was it was a different it was a much different feel for the lift but then you know same and same day weigh-ins yeah they will constantly criticize the usapl for having same day weigh-ins i'm like why aren't people criticizing apf and uspa for having two hours 24 hour weigh-ins I'm like i think that's could be just as reckless and not as uh I don't know what the, the word I'm looking for. I'm trying not to use like too harsh of language, but genuine? Yeah. Just yeah, a genuine to... sort of competition yeah. between lifters? Yeah.
1: You see like guys like Dan Green cut like 50 pounds to make their weight class. It's like, what's the point of a weight class at that point? You're like...
0: Yeah, I might have to have a show on this soon, because I've talked about it like three episodes straight about... Like the weight cuts and how I think everything should probably be same day weigh ins, but it's slowly becoming me turning into that elitist that everyone describes. Yeah. And then to stir the pot more, I always just say, just in conversation, like, "Well, I know if I if I'm a good lifter in USAPL, I could be a good lifter any federation. Right. I can't yeah. say the same thing about APF and USPA.
1: Right? Yeah. It's definitely people don't realize how much exact meet conditions matter until
0: nationals coming to a close hopefully hopefully we can get you in a meet soon yeah um okay. have you ever thought about getting coaching from someone else
1: i have i have a lot and i've gotten offers like i got offers from the strength guys before to be coached by them
0: nice they're awesome
1: yeah but underrated too i feel like the the thing for me that was holding me back whether I, I always had bad meet performances and it was just coming down to how i peaked for my meets because I saw in the gym consistently I was getting stronger. It just wasn't coming out on the platform. So what I started uh, doing is my peak way differently. Uh, I basically cut volume a half week out. Because I was doing high frequency lifting. I cut volume a half week out. And that's all I do for my taper. Mm-hmm. And it's ended up going way better. Like I have way more consistent strength on meet day past two meets that I started doing that. But yeah, back to the thing about the coaching. Like, it came down to, I know, if I fix that, I can like coach myself just as good as anybody else. For now, so I'll just stick with coaching myself. But if I ever get to a point where I'm like stuck in my programming for a while, I'm not making progress, I definitely consider getting a coach then.
0: Mm-hmm. But yeah,
1: until the time comes, self coach for now.
0: Yeah, I was because I was on the same boat with you. Not exactly programming myself, but right going to meets handling myself uh doing you know just looking at videos myself kind of analyzing what i'm doing and just yeah like okay there's some progress but what if there could be more progress and that's the reason why i got right. coach and i was curious if you would have a very similar answer and you do um yeah so that's uh that's good to know so we have a segment on two white lights called technique tip what is one cue or tip you have on any of the three lifts it could be squat bench or deadlift that has helped you the most.
1: Okay, so I'd probably say on squats, something I, I tell myself to focus on, I tell all my lifters on, is just your knee positioning on the concentric is, like, the key to a good squat. Like, mm-hmm. that transition out of the hole, you'll see, like, the most common error people have at, like, 100% of their max is their – I do it too. Like, it's not like I'm, I don't do it. I try and avoid it and cue it as much as I can. But their knees shoot back out of the hole, which puts, their, like, puts them into the good morning squat position. And that's where people usually fail. And it all started really when I started focusing on it. Is I read the Greg Knuckles article where he was talking about the reason people stick in the middle of squat is because of like, biomechanics. like The demands on the flexors are hardest when you're there like that's why people good morning 20 said you should focus on keeping your knees forward and that's when i started thinking about it a lot and i started looking at really elite squatters like the guys i considered the best in the world which to me were like andre milanichev eric Willie bridge and Alexei nikulin not as many people know Alexei nikulin but he's like squatting like 800 at 83 in sleeves and he's insane. But if you look at their knee positioning, their concentric knee position is like a mirror image of their eccentric position. So that's why I tell people. Keep your knees forward and out on the concentric as much as possible. Like, not just knee cave, but forward. Like, dorsiflexed ankles as much as you can. hmm Yeah.
0: Yeah, I've... I guess this is the first time I've heard that one before. But with, yeah. um with a squat that's really important and we really don't get a whole lot of technique tips with squat um pretty popular segment a lot of listeners enjoy hearing it but we don't get a whole lot with the squat um you referenced greg knuckles greg knuckles is a huge fan of the show and we uh you mentioned a few lifters there who in the sport do you like admire as far as like if you could just emulate one lifter who would it be
1: to me, it was always, like, coming up, like, Andre Malaychev to me. Like, I've, like, been following powerlifting since, like, 2013.
0: Mm-hmm. And,
1: like, I've seen lots of lifters come and go. And he was just, like, the guy who, like, consistently performed. Like, he's setting, like, world record squat total every meet he did for, like, five years in a row. You know, breaking thresholds, like, thousands pound squat, 2,400 total. Like, just consistently good. And that's, like, what I wanted to like try and be myself like just consistently improving and consistently pushing limits to me that was like always the like what i wanted to achieve is what he did
0: yeah,
1: yeah. a bit of mos- nostalgia in there too but yeah
0: I oh, yeah, for sure definitely like a someone with clean technique too i think right. on the group cat we've sent like he doesn't get talked about enough with right. just how he's so easily able to handle thousand pounds or like yep. 900 plus thousand pounds like yeah. it's that's a solid technique tip I like it again we need more that are just not deadlift technique tips because we get right. a lot of those yeah. um, which is good I always like it's deadlift's my favorite lift too um what is one thing you change about powerlifting whether it be a rule culture any of that
1: yeah so for me it's like I don't know if you call it culture as much but it's like this is just maybe me personally looking at the IPF, but like I, I feel like there's way more room to promote it and market it way better. Mm-hmm. Into, like if you look at like Strongman, I think they got like the perfect idea for it, where they're like going to like they've got like the whole aura with competing. They like make it a spectator friendly sport. It's interesting. Like a lot of people say, like uh, powerlifting is a terrible spectator sport because there's time between events, right? Mm -hmm. If you look at, like, World's Strongest Man, there's, like, four hours or something between events, like, something like that, like, ridiculous lengths, like, and it ends up being a great spectator sport, way more popular in powerlifting, obviously. Yeah. Arguably the most popular strength sport out there with weightlifting. And the same thing goes for weightlifting. Like, weightlifting is basically powerlifting with different lifts. Mm -hmm. It's, like, it's definitely can be spectator-friendly. But... I feel they're really holding it back themselves. And another thing is, like, the IPF tries, like, so hard to be, like, an Olympic sport and professional with it, but I feel like if they embrace the, like, what fans want, like, making it, like, loud music and meets and, like, Gino. Like, they don't like Gino generally. Yeah. Like, Worlds, like, the reason he wasn't at Swedish Worlds is because he and the sweet Su- the guy who's directing the meet don't like each other because mm. the guy he's, like, unprofessional or something, from what I hear. I heard that from Gino, so I'm pretty sure it's accurate. Yeah, but yeah,
0: and I could see it too. Like yeah. I could just see IPF just not being a fan of a yeah. person dressed like a pirate yeah. drinking Jack Daniels while he's emceeing yeah. a thing. Which I again, I agree. That's everyone loves Gino in the USAPL, yeah. uh, and the USAPL generally has that image of being the prim and proper, uh, head up high, chin up to all the yeah. other federations. But they still have that aspect to bring spectators in. Yeah, um, I feel like that's,
1: like, the Arnold is, like, a perfect example of what big name meets should be like. It's, like, way more hype at the Arnold with the, like, big graphics in the background. They mm-hmm. got Gino, they got a huge crowd. But if you go to, like, IPF Worlds this year, it was, like, it is like, a business, like, it, that's what it felt like. It's such, like, a, like, cold atmosphere comparatively. And, like... I've heard of, like, meat directors of, like, making six-figure profit off IPF Mm meats. Well, imagine if they took, like, that and started giving not even all of it. Like, I I can see meat directors making profit themselves because it's, like, it's a hard job organizing a world meet. Mm -hmm. But imagine if they gave, like, 50000 as lifters' prizes. How much that would help grow the sport, getting people motivated financially to do it.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. And I do completely agree with you on that, but... I will say that they did have the idea with Sheffield. They teamed up with yeah, that was they, yeah. They did team up with IPF, so it is that that is that great mystery in 2020. What would a Sheffield been like? Would it have been like you know? Because I would, because you said the Arnold. Um, I would actually say that the setup for Raw Nationals this year and right, in Illinois not. was. it was fantastic Arnold was a bit watered down because of the coronavirus and they it was a little bit it was they had to piece things together which they did an excellent job with it but I thought nationals when I saw the big screens and the the you know the lights and the spotlights I'm like this is this is the good use of money people want to compete in this federation and people want to attend people in attendance had a good time yeah it was it was hype it was fun. It was cool to see. All the lifters there were cool to see. The primetime selections were cool to see. The Arnold, again, it will probably be different once there isn't a pandemic, but it is another one of those spectator-friendly meets where it's cool to see, especially when you got the Grand Prix stage uh, right. as opposed to the regular stage. And the IPF, from the see several guests we've had on the show competing at IPF Worlds, I think ricky cho and uh serena Abwe said the same thing like the exact same right. thing where they were like it's pretty it's serious yeah it's like if intimate we, we, it's a very intimate yeah.
1: meet yeah the professor the what is it the guy announcing it the meet director like he was like announcing names as they come out and it's just pure monotone just mm-hmm. like name and then he'd be like come on like you know like no emotion in his voice just like come on and then, you know, at, like, at that point i'd rather
0: have not like announced things yeah. just announce the lifter and be like all right good lift." and yeah. then we go it's to the next guy like if you're gonna if you're gonna go full professional with it go full professional with it right
1: yeah like i've had local meets where it was more hyped atmosphere than worlds mm-hmm. like i came out to my to like my platform i heard like three people in the crowd I'm like, mm-hmm. this is like bad <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, but part of me is still kind of, like, on the thing, like, okay, the IPF is, like, the Olympics, they take it seriously, and Nationals yeah. is the fun one where IPF is solely about competing. I do, I, I understand, It's, I know that's structured for it to be nation against yeah. nation, not competitor first competitor, yeah. which I think that ties into the reason why the, uh, why the atmosphere isn't as good as it yeah. probably should be, but yeah the uh that mystery of this year we're gonna unfortunately have to wait till twenty twenty one to find out how <laughs> Sheffield was gonna be because yeah. i p f affiliated meet, a lot of money at stake yeah. like how like twenty lifters or so not too yeah, many lifters
1: 12, i think what's that i think it's twelve of each gender
0: yeah so, so not a, like this a super small meet where you could spend a lot of money on yeah. the presentation of it so yeah it does I, suck that yeah. we ain't, we're, we're not going to see that, but um, maybe that's why they're doing it, so it can kind of stand alone from IPF rules, but uh, yeah, I actually like that one. We've always, i've we've talked about on Two White Lights before, and that's kind of the reason why Two White Lights exists, is to make powerlifting more entertaining. Right, Like, yeah. give the lifters personalities, have lifters come on the show, talk about the sport in general, but also just... Talk about what we're talking about in the gym. Talk yeah. about what we're doing, what we want to see in yes, this sport. Yeah. And it's something that a lot of people do claim that powerlifting is a spectator sport. To an extent, it isn't. But right. the reason why people, I believe, that they think World Strongest Man is a spectator sport is because they watch the edited yeah. ESPN version of it.
1: Yeah. Right. I think that's how a good way they could present meets they did it yeah but and you'd have to get like a tv contract or something like that to be able to do that and that's a whole another thing they'd have to do i think if you look at strength central that guy on youtube how he compiles mm-hmm. every lifters perfectly like that's a perfect way to market it yeah if the EF started posting their top lifters from like even if they just ripped the strength central video like
0: yeah
1: it'd be the perfect perfect way to market them Because if you look, you get guys like Russell or you get Brett Gibbs or Taylor Atwood, they get like a million views on their video. People want to watch it. It's pretty obvious. But watching an actual meet and then you're seeing like, not to like disparage other world's lifters, but there's a pretty big gap between 10th place and the guys in podium contention.
0: Yeah, and I think it it is a very hard live sport to do and that's what you get is the live streams. Um, People do... Because the whole WPO being broadcast on ESPN and that kind of kind of causing an uproar, um, in the powerlifting community was one thing. But I almost am at the point where I'm like, I think I would rather have my meets be broadcasted on YouTube, or because I feel like more people have access to the YouTube than ESPN. I feel like yeah. ESPN necessarily isn't like, unless it's on your television, which it wasn't. It was yeah. not on your TV unless you had like ESPN, whatever. You had to go into like your ESPN 10. Yeah, you had to go on your weird channels that was only available if you have satellite or something. It's not on yeah. your like cable, Comcast, or whatever program you have. So you had to go on your laptop. Of course, there's going to be better quality. But yeah. like, I would rather have meets broadcasted on YouTube because if you have a smartphone, it's already downloaded yeah. onto your smartphone. You could easily just yeah. go on YouTube and check it out. Um,. But I think that if you have the power to broadcast it afterwards and have the power of editing, powerlifting could definitely be a pretty fun spectator sport, even if you're showing, you know, 10 lifters in a flight. Right. Yeah. Like there's, of course, you know, your first two attempts aren't exactly, or they shouldn't be too hype or too crazy. But, um, like towards the third attempts, I think you're going to see some big moments and. I, I've said it uh, probably at nauseam at this point. Russ Orhe's third squat at Ron Nationals was seriously like when you look at the crowd. I'm like, are you guys yeah. really gonna tell me it's not a spectator friendly yeah, sport? Like, same. look at the crowd right now; they're going nuts. It's, yeah, like it's and it was and it wasn't even because of the weight; it was because he almost bombed out.
1: Yeah, the storyline it matters so much. Yeah, like I, I remember was it 2018 Worlds? It was in in Canada. And I didn't compete, but I went to watch because it was like an hour flight from me. And like watching like Bryce Cronchek come out to poll for third place, like I've never seen a meet so loud in my life Mm because he's like the town. It was in his hometown, like in Canada, like and it's only third place, but it's like the storyline is what matters. You can you can definitely make it a huge like spectacle
0: for people. Yeah, I, I I think that. Where I think if you actually do attend powerlifting meets, that's right. when, like, um the same goes, a lot of people say the same thing about hockey, which I don't necessarily agree with, where they say, if you attend a hockey game, it's much better than, lo- like, watching on TV. I'm like, I think both are pretty awesome. Yeah. It's a it's a sport that's fast. It's a fast-moving sport, I, and yeah. I believe that with most sports that I watch because I'm a big sports fan. But I think when people attend powerlifting meets who aren't, say, fans of the sport, they can acknowledge how fun it is. Especially right, yeah. something like nationals, like this is, and especially if you go to the primetime sessions, like okay, you got a cash bar, pretty cool. Usually in a right. hotel where you can get drinks, you can get food. Um, yep. you just watch, you know, the crowd reactions and some some lifters with either big lifts or big personalities, right. on the platform and lifts. I think people can appreciate that, but I'm I'm I, I like. I, I do like this one change because it's something that I think a lot of lifters believe in. And on my side of it, I think that marketing and uh, just platform, or, or not even social media platforming, just a way to cover the sport is has to be better.
1: Right, yeah.
0: Because you've mentioned people doing a good job of it. I, I think White Light Media UK... They do yeah. an excellent job of it, but right. if we can find a way to break down the highlights in a way where lifters can see it, see all the highlights, King of Lifts right. does their job, but it's but it's like you can get lost in translation really quick. Right. So say if you post something on King of Lifts at 12 o'clock when it happens, at 1230 they post something else and it gets right. lost in the feed. Like, he gets buried, and he's like, okay, somebody might not have seen that lift, which was actually the story. Yeah. So, if you could find, like, a way to break it down, like, where it's a 50-minute thing, where you're breaking down all these lifts and analyzing it, King of the Lifts has their podcast, but I don't think a podcast is the best way to do it. I think a YouTube channel of people analyzing breaking down performances is the way to go about it.
1: Yeah. If you look at, like, Strength Central, they have that lifts of the week. Mm -hmm. thing they post every week it's like 11 minute segment but yeah i feel if they had like a was it like commentary over it like somebody dissecting it it would make it a lot more what's the word i'm looking for like it would help promote it better if you had people like like a almost like an espn segment where they got like Mm -hmm. people going over the highlights but you had a like somebody knowledgeable about powerlifting going over every week what's Mm -hmm. going on in sport
0: yeah, and I think the way that we have our because our sports center and ESPN is our phones. It's, it's it's Instagram. That's how we kind of keep up to date. But a lot of people get lost in the process. Yeah. If we could find, if people could like really find a way to get the best moments of meets onto a social media site such as uh, Instagram, because they have IGTV now. I mean, yeah. it's Not the it's not the hardest thing to do, and. Kind of, and, I mean, you mentioned IPF Worlds. The biggest story from IPF Worlds, in my opinion, last year was Mellow Fish Lawrence.
1: Yeah. That, That's a yeah. story
0: you can build.
1: Yeah. And there's there's lots you could do. You could do, like, Gibbs versus Russell. You could do, like, the Battle of the 72 Women. There's a bunch of people going for a podium position. You could do, like, Ray Williams, like, what happened to him.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, how there was big drama. Like, there's, like, so many, like, things you could play out. But people don't get it if they're just watching it. Like, I don't think as many people realize how heated the 72-kilo battle was. I was watching it live, and it was, like, so close. And, like, Kim Walford ended up winning by two and a half kilos. It was so close.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, and I think that's due to – I mean, I, I think a lot of it is – I think podcasting is covering right. – sp- and people want two white lights to cover things. I'm like, no, that's not my, that's not my game. Like, that's not my yeah. business. Like, I can't, I can't do that. I'm not there at the meets. I don't have all these legit profiles set up. It's like, and in all honesty, talking about other people's performances is not as entertaining as watching other people's performances. Right. Like, well, yeah. look at ESPN. Look at SportsCenter. They don't do a whole lot of... They don't do just talking for 55 minutes. They have highlights and little, right. sna- sna- yeah. like little bits yeah. on what they do on certain lifters. Like, it's not them always talking about one lift and then if you're doing it over like 90 minutes you're gonna lose the information that's there at the beginning of the show it's like it's it's hard to do and i think only thing we have right now is podcasting right yeah but I, i like that and i like how you took that approach uh for the marketing aspect of it because i think people are thinking about it but they don't really try to do it a whole lot with it
1: right yeah
0: Some do a good job, but others, some do a good job and others like fail in the process of trying to do it. Yeah. All right, man. Well, we've been talking for 45 minutes. This has been an excellent conversation. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. Again, this is a fan requested interview. So to all the listeners at Two White Lights, we got Mr. Matthew Venn on the show. Yeah. It's been a good time. Yeah, and uh hopefully there's uh there's a meet somewhere down the line and like and yeah. um but it sounds like IPF Worlds is a go.
1: Yeah. I think it'll I think things will die down by then. Yeah. So like <laughs>
0: that's trickling hope so.
1: felt that they're going to be back open on time in September, so
0: yeah. Um yeah. I'm curious to see I'm just curious to see like the uh the fallout of it if there's going to be more spectator f- like less meets or spectatorless sporting events because just saying yeah. football is going to start on time does not mean it's going to be football that we're with used stadium, to. Yeah. yeah, it's and even the baseball season because South Korea yeah. is currently playing baseball with masks on and no yeah. fans in the stadium. So it is sports are happening just totally spectatorless. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, we'll see I'm how long that lasts.
1: That Europe. But since Europe seems to be a bit ahead of North America for the whole virus progression. I'm hoping it's a bit ahead too, so they'll open up quicker.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I really hope so too, just the to sake of the sport. But we actually didn't talk about coronavirus as much as uh probably we should, which is a good thing, because I just I'm sick of talking about it. So yeah. But again, thank you for coming on two white lights, and uh that's gonna do it for this episode. We'll see you guys next week. Peace. baby, I like it, bro. Yeah, baby, I like it, bro. Oh, baby, I like it, bro.
1: Baby, I like it, bro. Shimmy, shimmy, y'all. Shimmy, y'all. Shimmy, yeah. Give me the mic so I can take it away. Off on an absolute charge. Bon voyage. Yeah, from the home of the of Brooklyn squad. Who take